Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey, and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had, and I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design Still my favorite is the built structure and interiors. In years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast, and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listen to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Michael Cleghorn. Now, Michael runs a company called MC & Co Trend. Now, I know that will mean nothing to you at this point if you're a listener, but it is going to evolve into quite a story. This company, uh, or Michael's company, is all about predicting the future of trends and doing that in a really scientific research-based way so that he can supply information to his clients that they can be sure to take commercial action on. It doesn't mean everybody does the same thing. What it means is everybody knows what's happening in the marketplace and then they can innovate from a safe base. Michael, welcome to Talk Design. Oh, thanks so much, Adrian. I'm really glad to be here. Oh, mate, I'm going to really enjoy this. I love the trend <laughs> space. I always say, look, if nobody listens and it's only me that gets to, to, to talk to you or talk to my guests, um, I don't care because <laughs> I, <laughs> I get so much from it myself. <laughs> I'm the same. I love talking about this stuff too. So if we're just having oh, a conversation. Yep. That's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first of all, just to give people a little bit of runway, can you tell us a little bit about the company and also how you – came to being in there or performing it, making it, yes, you know, sure. how it all came to. Sure. So um, we're a trend reporting and trend forecasting business. We're based in, in Byron Bay in Australia, and um, uh, but we work globally. And what we do is we have a very detailed process of researching what is happening in the market from a very holistic perspective. Yep. Um, and we've created a process by which businesses can really easily look at a holistic um, uh, expression of everything that's happening in the world in terms of trends and styles of interiors and home lifestyle, interior lifestyle, and very, very quickly 
find their position where yep. they where they need to sit, or if they're an architectural design firm, where their client needs to sit in mm-hmm. that in that space based on the client's aspirations and approaches to life, all that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. So with that, give me just sort of some runway on typically who your client would be. Like like what kind of people engage you and your services and your trend reports? Yeah, so we work with a very wide variety of mm. clients. So we work with um, um, a lot of retail and um, and wholesale manufacturing businesses where where being ahead of trend and interpreting trend becomes very important in their in their um, in their business model. So companies such as uh, Coles, where the trend forecasters for Coles in their general merchandise space, right. we work with with companies like Luxaflex, mm-hmm. Lounge Lovers, um, Adairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the homewares brand Salt and Pepper. Yeah, we also work with uh, DFS, UK's mm-hmm. biggest furniture retailer. Um, another one of our clients is a is a design company from Belgium called Ethnocraft, which is a very leading high end range of furniture. So our process works from you know from yeah. supermarket to to high end. Um, For the most expensive chair you can sit in of yeah. the commercial range kind of thing. Yeah. I love and, that. Um, and then we also work with architects and interior designers Yep. Um, uh, in, in terms of the process that we've created and how that helps them to fine tune their client's aesthetic. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. So let's dig into, um, oh, actually one more little piece on that. If somebody is working with you, at what different levels do they get to work with you? You know, like you've got a trend report, which they can buy, um, but then take me through the different things that become available to them as a client. Yeah, Um, It's really important so people understand where they can land and where the journey can take them. Yeah. So the very first starting point that um, people have in, in working with us is buying our forecasts and and reports. Now that might be a large architectural firm that says we're going to put this into our library, you know, our resource yep. library with everything else. And our, our team has the ability and, and the desire to interpret these themselves. Because the really important thing about a trend forecast or a trend report is three people from the same organization can go to the same, look mm-hmm. at the same report and take something completely different yep. from what that what's being shown there. So the sorry. Oh, I was just going to say a hundred percent. Like, um, it, it's about design interpretation. The trend's just a platform. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first way. Um, uh, people just buy our forecasts and reports. The second way is they buy the forecasts and we present it to them personally. So when you're when you're looking through an image or some um, some reference material in a forecast, when we explain it to it, which is where the research has come from we can add a lot more detail into what we're looking at in any particular image and why we've chosen those those inspirations from those particular designers and why they're important. You can never get that into a into a written document. No. A, a because people don't read it. They just want they yeah. just look at the pictures. Just look at the pictures. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that gives a lot more richness, a lot more value. And then the the third way is that um uh, we workshop with people to take them through what we call our trend intelligence process, which you and I were talking about yep. before, yep. Um, to see where their where their aesthetic or their style is best positioned from a commercial perspective. Love it. Um, and uh, and then how they can use that if they're in a you know a, an um, intimate client relationship, how they can use that process to help their client to determine where they sit across a variety of filters and parameters that helps to pinpoint the style and the look that's going to be best for them, yeah, which may or may not be within trend. You no, know? <laughs> no, it may not. Yes, well, that's always one of the challenges, isn't it? Um, I think there's this thing where people go, oh, I don't want it to be trendy because they're scared it will date. And the the trick is, is, is to bring it as close to the people as they as they are, like on who they are and their authenticity. It's about reading what the marketplace has and then reading the person into that intimate level of understanding where they fit yeah. in what's available or, or the other thing. People often say to me, why is, why is a trend even important? And I go, well, 
it's not that it is important. What it is, is that it's what's available. And yeah. if you go, well, I want this, and there is no trend around it, then you're going to be producing it um, as a custom item. Versus if I want this, and there is a trend around it, then what is the one that suits you? And I'm, I always think of flared jeans this way. Um, you know, if, if flared jeans are out, there are no flared jeans, unless you buy boot cut and you buy them from a Western mm. store. Otherwise, what you've got is, is you've got what the market trend delivers and there'll be a, a whole lot of variations to that. But you exactly. probably won't so find you, flared if jeans. You went, if you went today and said, I want Federation style uh -huh. in my new home or in a building a development, Yep. Can't do it. No. But if you say, I want Hamptons, which is sort you of can white, do it. Which, is, which is sort of white federation. Yeah, it's a federation painted white. <laughs> white with um, touches of grey or beige. Yeah. A little bit. The market understands that. Why why is there lots of gold tapware coming out at the moment? You know? Yep. Why gold and um, brass are, are, are major movers? Yeah. Why is that happening? Why are there arches everywhere in architecture? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, why is that? And how long is that going to last? That's well, what we look at. You know? I think that's probably one of the other things is, you know, a trend has a, a lifespan and a speed. And we can get into this a bit further on. But that is the other thing. You know, you start in on a trend. You take, you go, oh, I'm going to do this trend. Um and like you said, with the architectural one at the moment of uh, curves and arches, you know, is it just because we've hit this seven? Well, that was probably the sixties and seventies in Europe, and the seventies and eighties in um, Australia and New Zealand. You know, <laughs> it, because we were twenty years behind mm. for mm. a long time because there wasn't speed of media that there is now. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about that is if you look back maybe seven years ago and you yep. bought what we call a, sort of a legacy space home or legacy space interior, you were taking the arches out and you were squaring it all up. <laughs> and, and the terracotta and, tiles. Yeah, and now that's all <laughs> now that's all coming, you know, coming it, back. It's again. back. Yeah. And and people are paying to do it. What you do find I love about a trend is is that it often does repeat. But it never comes back as it was. No. It never, it always is freshened and it's always got a different depth to it and a newness. But I do have a little giggle to myself as I drive around and I look at some of the arches that are being put into places and I go, oh, these are going to look old. These are, the building isn't really supporting what needs to be done. And boy, this is going to look old in 10 years time or 20 years time. Yeah, and it's a really interesting one of the things that we are passionate about in what we're, we're some of the high levels we want to take our clients to is what we call sustainable style. Ooh. So um, dig into that for me. Yeah, so which also becomes quite subjective. But if you can have the most sustainable materials, the most sustainable um practices of where the products or raw materials come from on site, all that sort of stuff or in product development, the manufacturing processes, the, the freight, the packaging, etc. But if the, the item that you're creating from whether it be a teaspoon or a building, yep. if that doesn't last on the eye, yep. it's not sustainable. So, so <laughs> if we look about sustainability, it's probably the biggest part of sustainability that is still yet to be it's discussed still... to, to be discussed and to be accepted as something that's important. Yes, know? it's got to be embraced and and as you said, it's got to get valued to be something that's important. <laughs> yeah. I so love that. I love that part of that. It it still has to fit where it's got to where it's got to be delivered to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm -hmm. that's that's so interesting and you can you sort of see that i can see that when i so if i drive as an example through the gold coast and i look at yes. high-rise buildings you can see the ones that have stood the test of time yep and the ones that have been yep. more more trendy you know yes yes of them of this moment of that of this moment mm -hmm. um that require more work and more um uh, more investment yep. to 
to bring it up to something that is pleasing on the eye, which is what we're talking about. What's pleasing to my eye? That's yeah, well, you know? if you think about those kind of things, you, you're trying to get people to attract people to something. Um, I don't know what's going on with my phone there. The ring is turned off. But anyway, um, <laughs> you're trying to attract people to things and then trying to attract people to them. Um, it is what, what does that take to make it uh, of enough of this moment or of another moment so it stands out? I think you that's know? one of the things that we really research because it's always about what, what, is, what are people going to engage with or feel comfortable mm. with in terms of an interior or a shape or a form or a colour. It's all about how many times their eye has seen it. Yes. So we're looking at all the time, what are people eyes seeing? What are they seeing from um, in architecture? What are they seeing in interiors? What are they seeing in apparel fashion? What are they seeing in restaurants and hotels? Because that determines what they're going to be open to living with. Mm, and you, you talked about you talked about flared jeans. Mm -hmm. I talk about haircuts, you mm -hmm. know. You look I need one, but yeah. <laughs> you, look, you, look, you look you see I see all the young guys going around with mullets at the moment. Yeah. And you know, I grew up through the mullet thing and yeah, you know, I know in five years' time they're gonna go, Oh, what was I thinking? I always think but of all those wedding moment. photographs. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. At that time, that's what everyone's eyes were seeing. Though it was all totally normal, totally now and totally fabulous. So, um, so funny. That, that's, so funny. What, that's what determines style within that trend paradigm. Mm. And, and what tribe, um, and you'll describe this a lot better than I will, what tribe people fit into or want to fit into, where they, where they what, what aspire their, to What be. their aspiration is, and that's what we yeah. look at is in our research, is what are the movements around aspiration? And we've determined there are six key aspirations in the yep. way way people wish to be perceived in the way they express themselves now that might be uh within a, a domestic interior or it may be the way somebody wishes a space to be perceived in a public area right you know, so give me an the, example like give me give me something that uh, maybe a, a crossover on that so say take an interior and a and I'll tell you why. I'll give you, idea of, I'll give you an idea of hotels, hotels and domestic. Yeah. Yes. So yep. if I look at, um, so we say there are six aspirations mm -hmm. that don't change, mm -hmm. but the their importance and the amount of eye appeal, you know, eye impact they're getting changes and that's what creates trends. So if we look at um, opulence, you know, yes. that whole sense of luxury and gilded and brocaded and, um and marble and and crystal, you know, all that sort of element yep. of opulence. <clears throat> often highly polished, often yeah. like finished, more finished. Yeah. Yeah. So you, there are, um, and it, that's sort of, we think of opulence, we think of wealthy areas. Just think, yes. oh, maybe that's that's going to be in Double Bay, Double Bay or Turak. Yeah. Or, or New York or, <laughs> or yeah. New York or yeah. Moscow, yes. Dubai, that sort yes. of look. Yeah. But that aspiration of wanting to appear sophisticated and worldly and rich yep yes. i want to i want to have yep. that feeling around me that aspiration to be see, perceived in that way affects the way people what they choose mm -hmm. in their home interior you might see that in um building um uh, in domestic interiors you might see that coming up in housing estates you know big opulent yes. looking mcmansion mcmansion sort of, <laughs> sort of stuff but it's also sitting in a young girl that wants to find that in a brass and velvet chair for $79 at Kmart. Yes. Yep. So gotcha. that, that aspiration, now how that translates into, let's say, hotels is yep. why brands position themselves in hotels. So Ritz-Carlton goes for very, very opulent aspiration. So that person that has that domestic aspiration will likely choose a hotel yes that's going to re reflect that's that an interesting well. thought because they that person who maybe can't afford to do it will also go and drop into it in the hotel industry to to experience it 
Exactly. And then completely different aspiration if we look at sort of a nostalgic aspiration, if we think of mid-century, um, yep. which has been a really hot um, hot topic, hot trend, yep. if you like. Yep. So, so somebody brings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, um, looking at that sort of um, aesthetic. Um, now, that you can get that from very expensive um, uh, original pieces. Yes. Yep. Or you can find it at West Elm, you know. Yes. Um, and then I'm more likely to be aligned to going and staying at the Ace Hotel that's just opened in Sydney, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. Has that whole nostalgic feeling. Mm -hmm. Two completely different aspirations. Yeah. Both both relevant. So you can't say, oh, mid centuries in, because no. opulence is also in. But hang on, <laughs> those Hamptons, as we've been talking about that that coastal northeast US lifestyle. Is yes. also very, very um, desirable, yeah, and acceptable to the eye. So there's so many different these these aspirate these six aspirations. That's really important, and why they're also important is because they're polarizing. So uh, because where do people search for their inspiration on social media? Mm -hmm. So they become victims of the algorithm. So if I like mid-century stuff, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's all I'm going to see. And I'm yes. going to think that's all there is. And I'll be terribly offended if you show me something that's opulent. I, I love something that's something that's playful, which respects so W hotels has much more of that playful aspiration. Yeah. Color yes. and art and all yes. that sort of thing. So um, and then you've got, you know, commercial spaces that do that. Restaurants all have those different elements to them as well. All of that aspiration of there's 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 opulent restaurants, there are there are um, playful looks. There are, you know, nostalgic and mid-century looks. And, of course, the other aspirations that we talk about, which is grounded and earthy and so forth, they're all reflected through the market. That's fascinating. It's really fascinating. And it's a great um, understanding of the fact that it, it's, it's highly complex. But not only is it highly complex, it comes down to being simplified. Because once you know which part you're working with, you can actually pull it together in that area you don't have the confusion you yeah. don't have that massive um you know distraction of am, am i in the right place i was um i don't know whether you've ever been to graceland um elvis's home no never been have you seen the movie the Baz haven't Luhmann yet movie? haven't oh, yet okay yeah well it shows a fair bit of the house um mm. whether they rebuilt it as a set i imagine they did um but the house is a wonderful, uh, a wonderful journey in um, parts of Elvis's life. So you you start in like the peacock room in the front, which is very opulent and white piano and um, sofas and golds and blues and all this. But um, say for instance, he's got a tiki room in the back of the house, which is like when he was uh, playing in um, Hawaii and stuff like that, where it's all like ticky carving and part of actually what is a mid-century trend, but most people don't know that. Mm. It's one of the pillars of mid-century modern, but that whole ticky trend, um, and it's kind of like got like shag pile carpet on the floor and layered rocks with waterfalls and coloured lights and all these kinds of things, all in the same house. Like when you get a yeah, because you can have go, different. So you can have, I, I do want to have a look. You can have different aspirations for different parts of a home too. Uh, or well, you want to play different emotions in a home. Yeah. So in my in my living in my living uh, front of house. Yeah. You know, maybe I want something a little bit opulent uh, mm -hmm. there, but in the family, I want it to be a little more grounded yep. and earthy. Um, uh, there can be different areas, and the very important thing is how do you how do you move from a design perspective when it comes to color, shape, material, and texture? How do you keep a consistency through a journey of interior that goes across those different aspirations that doesn't um, chop and change yes. and shock between the the, yes. um, the emotional and, connection to those areas? Yeah, true. Mm. That that's a that's a skill in itself. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're really passionate about: how to help designers and businesses whether it be that within a home or, or you might have a for example 
or in a in a uh, commercial perspective in an office where the front of house you want to be very very um, ordered and structured and um, and controlled. clean and and professional controlled, but in some of the workspaces where there's young people, you want you need to have more which might be creative. You need to have more color and vibrancy and playfulness and casualness there. How do you how do you move between those two with the consistency? So that's what we're really passionate about is creating a process where that you can use a series of filters and and tools and sort of science, if you like, to show you how to do that. Because it's, that. it's not just the mood, it's also the colour and the colour saturation, the way the palette's put together, what materials you're using, what elements of shape you're using, um, and even pattern uh, comes into play with expressing those aspirations. And, and of course, you and I were talking before about those mm. higher levels of the approach to life, whether it's the space is optimistic or or um, disciplined or accomplished or ambitious. And with people being as complex a beasts as they are, they probably carry each of those aspirations regardless. Um, well, I think, but it's where they where they carry them and when they play them. Yeah, and I think we talk, we talked about that, this idea of it, of, of it polarising, which it mm. absolutely is. So from a design perspective and especially a brand perspective, knowing where you sit, where your core is, to show them those looks yep. um, without offending them on the others um, is important, but they're not, they're polarizing, but they're not siloed. So they influence each other and it's the influence that they're having over each other that at that higher level, that is trend, you know? So looking at trend, we look at it from a much higher perspective rather than the obvious Yes, and saying, okay, brass legged um, curvilinear armchairs, with, with white boot clay is in, yes. you know, we say, well, oh, thank the... God, because I've just sold a couple of them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what are they, where are they, um, what's driving, that? what's above that that's driving that? Yeah. And so if you're wanting to um, stay just within market, yep. you're going to keep going with those those chairs, you know, that, that sort of look. But otherwise you can say, well, how am I going to interpret what what's that talking to? What is the emotion of opulence <laughs> yes and and if you know they're more curvilinear it's talking to more of a feminine attitude uh-huh um and so it's working in more of an approach to life that's a bit more accomplished paired back etc so we recently did a study for a really large um australian retailer and they said to us guys our team our, our team missed the white bouclier armchair you know we were late <laughs> wow the, the retailer was late with us. When should we have had? Oh, okay, cool. When should, should we have we had, been there? When should have we been into that? So we did a study, of course, where it came from, which yes. was 1920. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and showed them where this is all about where things are seen on the eye. Who then re-released that in Gooby re-released it in Milan in 2015 yep. in a curvilinear, soft, feminine shape. It then was redone by this designer and that designer. Hey, then it appeared on Morning Wars TV show, and um, it and the Kardashians did it. You should have been in there because people. By the time the Kardashians did it, if you if you had it on the floor, you'd have banked a million bucks. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's just knowing, or if you saw it there, to know I've got to be into it now. Yes. And now the next question they're asking is, when should we be out of that? Of course, because <laughs> you don't want a warehouse or or a, a container load of that arriving. Yeah. When you know, should we when should we stop using radial edges yep. on everything? So this is saying, this thing where we go. You know, uh, we were talking earlier. So for everybody listening, we were talking earlier about. Uh, before we started the podcast about trends running in a bell curve. And so you start out with your um, innovators and then your early adopters and then your main majority and then your late majority and then the laggards. But, and what we're talking about here is, is by the time the Kardashians bought it, they were at the beginning of the main majority. They weren't early adopters, but for the mm. great piece of the public, that's where they first really engaged with it and they'd had little hints of it before and suddenly it made sense. 
Yes. Because the Kardashians yeah. had it. And they suddenly, then their RAS, their reticular activating system, went into overdrive and started and noticing every, where they, they could get it. They saw it everywhere. They you saw got it, it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And then it's time, when have we had enough of that? Yeah, you when's know? my RAS sick of it? Or when can something take it out? You know, like it's like the old computer thing, garbage in, garbage out. You know, like, so you get, you put it in your recycle or in your garbage bin. Um, there's a point when you go, I'm bored or I'm um, I'm open to something new now. I've seen enough. Mm. Um, and typically I find in a design space, you know, like um, the, the other day, uh, one of the girls in my office drew something and it had a whole lot of slats on it. And I went, really? Like this. And she looked at me with horror. And I said, oh, I don't know. I'm just sick of slats. And, mm. and you know, and then I said to her, I said, don't not, don't take them out just because I said that. Let me just go and do a little bit of research first because it's still a major market trend. Yeah. Yep, that whole ribbing, vertical, yeah. vertical or horizontal ribbing is really, it's, it's, it's in everything. Just because I'm bored with it doesn't mean that it's gone and or that it's over or that it isn't still important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it um, wasn't though when my father-in-law actually did it on the on his um, kitchen island, and I went, "Oh my god!" Went back to the office and said, "Take them off." It's taken. <laughs> <laughs> if my father-in-law's doing it, it's well gone. But where is it now? So in something that is declining. Oh well, I don't know so, that it so, is. So that's it's 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 opposite. So yes. I can buy that now in self-adhesive panels from Bunnings, and that's it's declining. The There's the point. but I can I can buy it from Bunnings. Yes. So it's at a what we would call a level five viability, highly viable but highly competitive. You yes. Know? So there's no money left in it in the commercial sense, and everybody can well, have it. So it's on its it's starting you, you, over. Yeah, it's over you're, the hump. You're not going. To, you're not going to innovate with it. No. You know. Yeah. So what we look at is, well, what will replace that? A hundred percent. Now that's, coming so we there? know that's going. Yeah. So then what will fill its gap? So that's where we're constantly looking throughout the world to say, well, what that's going to be. Yeah. I'll give yeah. you a hint, grids. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not, I'm more open. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> yeah. Grids. Grids are really coming in, but with a softness to them. That, that, we were talking about Memphis before that we started recording yes. here. Yep. That Memphis grid. Absolutely, yep. we see that coming through from from um, upholstery styles to to screening to rugs. You know, mm. so it's mm. all there, and that that shape or that 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 pattern will become known to the eye yeah. and become more. And people will start to use, thinking they're innovating with the grid when they're not, but they've just seen it in these different spaces. Yep. Because when we talk about talking before, we talk about shape. Yeah. Um, shape emerges from many different areas, whether it be architecture, um, uh, oh. inf influences into dinnerware, or whether lab-based influence back to architecture. 100%. It, it goes back and forward, you know. So, um, yeah. I love that. I love that thing, you know, of, of, of once we get to a, a saturation point. Maybe that's it. Oh, I think it is. It's... It's when it's no longer special, I think, is what it is. And I, I, I think, you know, like you look at how I always notice this thing on trucks. So you look at a truck and it's a delivery truck and you suddenly see, uh, well, I do. I suddenly see how playful signage has got to try and um, engage the people that it's driving past you know, playful in the name, mm. playful in the in the imagery that will be painted on the side of it. Um, how does it express itself? And I, I think that it's a it's a really interesting space to go, oh, because it, it is a moving billboard. Oh, wow, look at that. And uh, I saw one yesterday and it was, um, it made me very, it reminded me of what we were about to talk about today because it was similar letters it was M O C Muco was what it was. Mm. So it was M O but C O, but it had um, God knows what it was. I didn't bother looking it up. But it had um, cows cows on it, you know, and it was Muco. So I went, oh, how's that? 
it was um it was uh you know like a um a, a saying the sound of the cow and then the co could have just had a w on it and it would have said moo cow uh, you know moo cow yeah and yeah. i thought oh yeah well that's really interesting like you um, know that's a, that's what you bring out there in terms of of impact uh today because we're talking to because we can talk about when things are past their their yep, use, their use from yep. the dog, but there are other things that sit underneath and are always there they're consistent yeah well look, look think about a harry side the lift well Always yep. the same. Yeah. Yeah. Enduring. Well, the, um, um, but Frank Lloyd Wright with Cherokee Red. Yep. I'll pick um, a colour and I'll play it. Think about a um, B and B Italia, um, uh, Charles Sofa. Yep. Yep. Oh. In, uh, so there are so there yeah. are enduring things that are also enduring, and the challenge today is that so many brands need to create what we call thumb stoppers. So oh, okay. scroll stoppers. So because we are fed, our our, um, our uh, attention span is so yeah. short. Yeah. If BNB Italia, as a you know leading furniture brand, want to grab my attention as I'm scrolling through my feed, yeah. there's going to be something shocking there. It's the same with fashion. Yeah. You know what we saw from Paris and Milan yeah. this year was higher levels of shock value. Think Balenciaga and and Nicole Kidman, yep. you know, yep, almost almost vomitous, yeah, um, to get our attention. So there's this balance between because there's so much media out there now. Just put, you, just putting an ad in a magazine doesn't work anymore. So um, you've got to get you've this, got to get this to scroll, stop this them. Scroll, this scroll, scroll stopper, thumb stopper, as I call it. Yeah, I love it. Thumb but stopper. Then, but then, but then underneath that is what you're going to sell. You know, our creative director says, you know, you always put the yellow Maserati in the window, but you sell the red one. Um, <laughs> so you've, there's, there's this more effort. So it appears sometimes like there's this higher levels of faster fashion. And you see this with, mm. you know, I know we're talking apparel here, Chanel and what they're, they're showing the front of this, what they're selling is the classic suit. Yeah, they're still, still selling the classic suit. Yeah, the classic suit that. and the classic bag and exactly. the so, same. Yeah, so if you look at, if you really, look at um, no, sorry. for example, BNB Italia this year in Milan yep. released, um, and I always pronounce it wrong, their classic 70s chair, the La Bombola chair. Yep. You know, that big, sort of chunky, beautiful chair that they did. Yep. They normally doing just bold, plain colours. They released it in a sort of burgundy twirl oh. with mushrooms, a mushroom twirl yep. in burgundy that you go, what is that about? And then in their showrooms, they've got their classic colours there. So, you know, that's... It's showstopper. Our, yeah, it's a showstopper. Um, when so you, the, the when you that, said described it, I thought of that um, product, which I'd never seen, but I do have a 12-year-old daughter who um, a year or two ago needed an Udi. Yep. You know, if you, you've seen an Udi, it's like this big oversized fleecy um, thing. Hers is printed with, I think, avocados or something. Mm. You know, like, it, it's like there's the nonsense um, yeah. kind of items. Um, but, you know, they they trended for, I don't know if they still are, I doubt that they are, but they trended for a season where all kids were like, all her kids in her class and everybody else had an Udi. Yeah, um, uh, and really fast velocity, I think. Yes, but that was the other thing, to, the speed. Yeah, the speed. Um, so when we, this is the, the challenging thing today for designers, et cetera. Now, their work and architects is actually in the creation, not in mm -hmm. the looking. So they don't have as much time to see what's out there. So if you see this La Bombola chair in a, in a burgundy mushroom uh, when I say mushroom, I mean the the the, 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 the actual the fungi, the fungi, fungi yes. yep, yeah, twelve, and you think, well, B and B Italia showing me that I've got to go and do this. <laughs> it's how it's the interpretation, you know. Coming back to our original discussion, it's the interpretation, knowing what that means and how to how to interpret that. Yep. Is what we're passionate about helping businesses do. I need to ask with that um, with that particular chair or sofa. Um, so, did the fact of those two colours together, the burgundy and then the mushroom tones, 
did that flow into a now, trend wait, I'm talking, culture? I'm, I'm I know you're not about, talking. I know you're talking about real about mushroom. mushroom drawings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I know that. <laughs> but suddenly, what we've got is we've got these two really good contrasts. We've got this the richness of the burgundy, and then we've got the softness of like mushroom tones. Mm. And I know that the the things designed to stop you hard and then look beyond. Um, but does that when they did that, did that have any lead into using those two tones together? Because they work beautifully together. So what is it? So when we look at that, what does it say to us? How do we interpret that? We mm. say, right. Pattern coming back onto upholstery. This is important. Ah, good call. Yeah. Yep. So just so they'll shock with this. So yep. pattern coming back into upholstery. And these more tonal elements, of which, of which not necessarily the twelve pattern, but a more tonal pattern, creates um, uh, a a longer lasting on the eye, more tonal pattern rather than contrasting pattern. Mm -hmm. So we say, we look with our clients say, let's talk about how we bring pattern back onto your upholstery, and let's do it in a tonal way. Yeah. Oh, and maybe you're better to do a micro grid because we we're just talking about because because of the grid, yeah, a micro grid to on set that, it is, in the background, which is got which is going to you know set it so you're you're yep. going you're moving on from 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 um, lines or from um, all that lineal stuff, yeah, and you're moving into the grid. You're bringing pattern, which is the direction, mm. and you're bringing tone in. So that <laughs> is sort of the higher level work that that we do. And in the interpretation of that, that helps our clients to stay 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 relevant, mm. but still within a commercial space and a commercial paradigm, within a longer lasting style, for example. Oh, what a face! Yeah. What a face! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that I love about it is that um, it's important not to take any piece of it in isolation. It's important that you're looking at these things over a broader picture. Um, so for all of you whose heads are spinning that are listening, um, as to the complexity of this, that there is so many different levels and layers that you need to be looking at. And that's where having a trend report or somebody, an expert that can um, just decode it for you enough so that you know exactly where to put your foot down next and start moving in a direction um, is really important. I um, I want to bring up a, a thing that I have a real pet love around, which is, um, and, and you've touched on it already, which was masculine and feminine energy. And um, whether, whether one's trending more than the other and if it is, in what spaces does it trend? Is it trending more? Mm. Um, you know, like is is it in the grounded kind of space that feminine energy is trending more, or masculine energy is trending more? Give me your thoughts. Great. So when we when we talk about masculine or feminine energy, we don't mean for men or for women. No, we totally. Mean, just we mean informed. masculine, straighter, sharper, stronger, bolder. Feminine, more cocooning and soft. Mm -hmm. So there certainly has been increases in more feminine um, uh, uh, structures and so forth. Especially when we look at curves and we look at arches and we look at exactly. these, these things. Yeah. And exactly. transparency also, I think, is often um, given a, a lot more feminine energy than yeah. masculine energy. But what we see, interestingly, which reflects societal movement as well, is what we call non-binary form coming. So strength oh. and softness within the one form. Oh, so wow. we're seeing that we're seeing that come from a lot of furnishings and so forth, and and design concepts coming out of Milan, where you might have so. Um, I'll give you oh, an example. I so, just love this. <laughs> so, <there's, laughs> so we see certainly curved linear elements being three-dimensional. Yep. So, yes. so three-dimensional curving happening. And this is all being led by, we actually call it the new European aesthetic. So being led by Spanish designers such as Jamie Heron and uh, Patricia Cucula from Spain started all these more curved linear, um, three-dimensional curved linear areas. Mm -hmm. um, what we see happening is 
is um, this being reinter reinterpreted with coming back to the more classically masculine brand styles. If we think of Northern European design houses, mm -hmm. and we talk about in, in, in architects such as Antonio Citerio, if we look at um, uh, uh, Piero Lassoni, those sorts of guys that are very, very straight and sharp. Yep, very structured and... So, so what we've what we see happening is that that we saw it in Milan in in um, in June was you've got the the curvily the, the the feminine on one um, one aspect and the masculine the other so you might have a curve in the in the horizontal and a very straight sharp in the oh, vertical in the vertical so. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me just think about think of a building. Uh, buildings high because they're probably more masculine shaped. Think of upholstery or another shape where the the back is curved, but the seat is very very flat. Very flat. Yeah. So yeah, gotcha. So you're getting this strength and softness, this mm. this non-binary, this merging of the energies and the attitudes, mm. which is reflecting a really strong societal movement at the moment around gender so um that's that is that together. is really fascinating like um i notice the um the impact that uh you know pride is having and that the the rainbow color of pride and i i notice the impact that we're starting to see of that um in different areas, and 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 well, in all, I wouldn't say all, in lots of areas would be the better way of um, putting it. So there's a there's an embracing of that, uh, especially from our youngest generations, you know, like, and then the beyond that, um, the number of corporates that are very much using the identification of you know she her or mm -hmm. um, whatever as, as well. This is right from big architectural firms um it doesn't happen seem to be happening in the smaller ones um but it is definitely happening in the larger ones and big corporates are are going they're standing on on that they are inclusive you know that they that they don't either way it doesn't matter and and little side note to that about three days ago i was ordering a coffee in a cafe i hadn't been to before and there was a the girl who was serving me um, she had her tattooed on her, not on her bust, but above her bust, sort of on yep. her breastbone. I'd mm. never seen that before. It was so, like... How, this is, <laughs> how do you know whether somebody's a he, she, or are they them? Yeah, I, um, you don't. To start with. Um, so it's a really interesting point that you, mm. you bring up there because why is this becoming important? Why is this trending, if you like? Yeah, cool. Why Tell is this coming? Why is this coming into culture? Mm. It's about exposure. It's about exposure and education. It's exactly the same when we're talking about a color. I, I, I want to make. I don't want to trivialize. No, uh, no, 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 no. You're not gender, trivializing it, but, but just it's saying. A, it's yeah, younger generations have been exposed to this from a very young age. Yep. There's no, um, uh, no. It, it it fits uh, with it fits with what's available. It's just that's what is. That's yeah. what it is, and it's the same. It's about exposure and what the eye and what the ear is seen, and you know what I've seen, the ears heard, what you've experienced it. I don't think this is a short term trend. <laughs> this no. wonderful, wonderful, enduring um, adapt uh, uh, evolution because we talk about trends evolving. So yes. this is a wonderful evolution of mankind. Yes. Um, of where that's going to. So anyway, I know we've digressed, but oh, I just that think that was, was interesting. Oh, that was really interesting. <laughs> well, because, you know, from a design sense, it's going to affect, um, it's going to affect everything, everything. Mm. And mm. when we look at that, um, it's very easy to go, well, is it masculine or feminine? And I often look at buildings uh, from an architectural point of view and go, okay, so this is, I see how this is embodying a female, a feminine energy, or I see how the space is um, being very definitely masculine. Mm -hmm. And I just uh, recently, my wife and I went to MoMA down in um, 
Tasmania. And it certainly has all those moods. Mm. It, it has it in all sorts of different areas. Um, and it's fascinating to just try and break it down into what's the overall feeling it gives you and then ha- why, what are the reasons it gives you those feelings. And I think the important thing is to, you know, we talk about this polarisation, I was talking about polarisation, mm. is not to put anything in a box and say, oh, non-binary form is what's happening. Because there's also feminine, yeah. there's also masculine, they're all relevant. You know, we did a webinar recently on uh, the Milan uh, Salone, which is a really important design event in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the macro, one of the macro trends we spoke about, we called it Newton. We said yep. for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. So as much as there was these feminine, curvilinear, uh, multi-dimensional forms, there was also <laughs> femininity, yeah. um, masculinity, yep, there was non-binary. All three were relevant. As much as there was high chrome colour, yep. there was soft, muted, neutral tones. As much as there was, you know, plain, there was stripes. So it's all there. And this is the this is the challenging thing for designers today is to work out which is, the, it's all there, which is the right one for their client. For the client. Yeah. 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 What's the, the cust- yeah. yeah their, their client or their customer or whatever it is, or the customers, yeah. um, is what does their their values as a designer match? How do they match with the values of their client and the aspirations of both so part of those speak, parties? It's all speaking to the, the way, the aspiration of the space. And then the approach to life of the space. That's the the higher level that mm. um, that we work with. It so, it, it yeah. sounds like absolutely incredible fun. Um, it to, is to I, do it. You know yeah, what? like there's not a moment that you don't seem to be in a moment of joy describing yeah. it. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the most satisfying things is when we we you know because that is quite a scientific process. We go through it can be a bit overwhelming at time, mm-hmm. and our our forecasts are very in. Um, very intense. We do five different aspects of of trend, mood, color, pattern, shape, material, and texture. Over five hundred pages each season mm-hmm. that come out for um, that, and that can be very overwhelming for people when we're, we're when we're talking with the client, saying we're going to show you five hundred pages. <laughs> but to see the to see the lights come on when they go, I understand that there are these six aspirations. These there's there's this stuff around structure and energy approach to life where these things sit on the on the bell curve as you call it yep. how quickly they're coming through once i get that the lights come on and they can take that that information and go boom 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 this is the inspiration for where i'm now going to yeah um yep. develop my creative skill because a trend forecast should never be prescriptive it should just be suggestive and inspirational because mm-hmm. You're talking to the converted. You're talking to the people that are incredibly creative. Yes. Um, and you the, the job is to inform and inspire and to confirm many times. We'll be going through with a client and they'll say, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've got my eye on that. Ah, but now I understand where it sits. Yes. So they're getting confirmation of what's happening there. So it's very much a collaborative process that we work with with mm. clients because um, when we talk to marketing companies about our business, they say, who's your biggest competition? And sometimes we say, it'll be the client. Yeah, <laughs> right. They, they, they've got all this information that they're wanting to assess as well. And if, this is the fun bit, as you said. So how do we, how do we um, add our challenge and what we, we I think we've um, mastered it is how do we bring those people on this journey and use their knowledge skill creativity and expertise as well yeah as well as well don't, you yeah. don't don't come in over the top and say no. here we are we're the trend gurus and and this is what you should yeah. be doing it's like well this is what's happening what where are you where's your client how do you use this process yeah to filter down to know to know which tone of blue should be matching in a pattern with a theme or a mood and a shape yes yep. yes yes Oh yeah, I love and give, it. And give them the structure to be able to, um, and the process to be able to do that. 
Yeah, I think I think that's the the value of it is is that they get speed and surety, um, and they also understand uh, where they are and where they're able to head to, um, and where they're you know eighty percent covered. They can still mm. play. Um, and in fact, they will play because all you're doing is giving them a platform to play and, from. And they must. Yeah, they must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They must yeah. because these are incredibly creative people. Yes. This is why they're, 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 we've all chosen to be in these various parts of a creative industry yeah. because we love the origination of an idea um, and we need to be inspired by something. Mm. It's, it's done today in this tricky commercial um, digital world. Mm. How and, and time poor. Very importantly, time poor world. How can I pull that together quickly to make this my own, but be relevant within what people are being exposed to? Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I had a, I had a very interesting conversation. With, what was the term you used before to talk about something that just seems to last through enduring, enduring, an endure, yeah. enduring yeah. start? Yeah. So I, I had a conversation with some clients. Um, and it was we're, we're designing a new home for them and they were able to look across and see a very um, Italian-styled home on the water, but a very Italian, you know, it, it would have fitted on the shores of Lake Como sort of. Uh, it wouldn't have been out of place there. Mm. Um, it wasn't, you know, probably as fancy as George's place, but it was still yeah, mm. reasonable. A lot of money spent. And um, they were they were kind of they weren't I wouldn't say scoffing at it but they were going it doesn't fit here mm. and uh, I said yeah well, yeah okay it doesn't fit our climate and maybe our aesthetic and stuff like that but I said you know there's that house and down further there's another house on on the same canal which is a, like a Cape Cod looking house mm -hmm. but a grand place like big and um, I I had this little thing where I said to them you know. The challenge is if you want something that's going to last and we'll call it enduring style, they've both won mm. because they've just taken something that already is. And we are going to design something that's modern, but will we get it right? Will we create something enduring? Mm. Or you know, at what point will we get mm. to, um, you know, if we don't take something from the past, at what point do we get to make that statement that mm. is of enough value in the sense of, uh, I suppose, um, I want to say value in the sense of status or a value also in the sense of um, being a, a masterpiece, that it will last mm. the test of time, mm. you know, and, and so in a hundred years, people will go, oh, well, you know, it will come and go from being in fashion or in mm. trend, but it will always be. Mm. Yeah. And this is this polarisation because the people that are sitting in that Italianate house that you're talking about are sitting looking across at the Cape Cod house and say, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should knock that down and we should extend our place down to it. <laughs> we, we, are, we are involved with classicism and Palladio proportions and... <laughs> You know, that's what, so it's about this polarisation of offence these days, you know. Yeah. You don't like my style. You're not totally attracted to my style and you're like that, I'm offended by that. It's the same with politics and religion everything else. There's polarisation, which is the mega, absolute macro trend yes. of polarisation. If you're not with me, then you're against me. And, and so that's the challenge of in terms of a client journey, how do you bring in all these different style options and not offend the client. So if you try to guess, oh, I think they might be Cape Cod, but they're really Italian or they're, you know, they're... Um, it's they're, never that easy. One of them is one and the other is something else. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're marriage counsellors. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this client of ours is doing. I'll do that because I talk about these, they do fit outs for doctor surgeries and you've yes. got the doctor, you've got the wife, or you've got four doctors putting together a surgery. Yeah or a, a medical practice, they all have these different polarised aspirations, whereas you talk to them about the aspiration, you get above the personal, yes. talk about the aspiration, and in this case, what do you want the client to experience? 
experience. Yes, what do you sure. want the patient to experience? Not is it not in the of your style? What do you want the patient to experience? It takes away all that emotion. It's the same if you you're talking with husbands and wives. Yes. If you start to use that language of aspiration, trend cycle, approach to life, masculine, feminine, attitude, energy, it gets them off the polarization, personal oh. polarization, and into the more academic sort of scientific approach. It, it which just all, takes which, it which, off which, being personal. Which, yeah, and then you get collaboration. How do you collaborate? How do you bring how to bring your 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 likes of of uh, what your eye is attracted to yep. and what your eye is attracted to how do we blend that together yeah to create something that's going to satisfy you both within where you want to position whether you're an early adopter or or the other terms that you want yeah. To, yeah yeah i love yeah. that man what a journey what a journey um you were saying um, if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? You were saying that about webinars and stuff like that that you have. Are they client-specific or are they how do they Oh, operate? look, we, we do a series of webinars. About every six weeks we do a webinar on a different topic. So our last webinar we were talking all about Milan and what was the macro trending uh-huh. from Milan at the Salone. Um, in about five weeks' time we're doing a wonderful webinar on, on colour. Yes. Um, and talking about the extension of the color spectrum and how do you become original um, with color in a you know sea of sameness? What's happening with neutrals and, and where are the tones coming out of the neutrals? And then how do you use high chrome with neutrals? Whatever. So that's coming up in in about four weeks' time. I guess if anyone's interested, um, the best thing is because we're we're an audio situation is just you know my email address send me an email yeah really we'll, we'll, we'll post um all your yeah. contact details yeah and then we've got our, and also go to our website if you put that up there where yeah. where, where yeah. our website well, is people can register and do they buy it or whatever they do yeah these webinars they, are free these okay. webinars are totally free well so um, anybody listening who's in this industry and doesn't take advantage of it you'd be kind of crazy this is <laughs> you, you would be because this is information that leads you not just in this moment but into the future as well and uh, it's it's critical to people's emotions, and um, what we're doing in in life is is dealing with people's emotions. That's what we're playing with. You know, we give them form and function and those kind of things, but that actually plays with their emotions. So, how do we best support our client base and ourselves as well? Yeah, yeah. Mm. If anyone's interested in what we do, I love to chat, as you can tell. <laughs> oh yeah, but, man, Just you've got Send me an email and I'm happy to just hop on a Zoom and talk about this stuff and um, whatever. Yeah. See if we can uh, see if we can help. Can we value? That's you know. Yeah. Can yeah. we add value to a business and how are we best to add value? Which is all those different ways that people work with us. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael, absolutely fantastic. It's a it's a feast. It's a yeah. feast. And, <laughs> and and the the thing is, is you know, which part of the elephant do you eat first? Well, that's why you go to Michael because he tells you. This is where you start to look to break it down. Um, and it's not just a feast where you go, I go, I don't know how to how to eat this. It is something where you you take a bite here and that will lead you to the next bite and to the next bite yeah. and the next bite. It is scientific approach to how it's broken down. And so you can see which way to go. And I totally love, as I say, the trend space. So it was really, really fabulous. Thank you so much for making the time. Been fun. Awesome, man. Um, having a really enjoyable weekend. It's going to be beautiful. And you're in, for those of you who do not know where Michael is positioned, he is on the um, east coast of Australia and the, the most easternmost point of Australia, which is Byron Bay. He lives just in the hills behind there, which is a very, very special spot. Really and, close to the Hemsworths. Yes, it's ours. <laughs> they are close neighbours. Yes, yeah. um, they're not far away there, yeah. and uh, yeah, you probably find them down in the surf as well. Yeah, it's true. But uh, yeah, a beautiful part of the country, really special, and so he's expecting a beautiful, fine, sunny weekend as we're in. Uh, we're almost in spring, I think, even though we're in winter months. It's, we're getting the it's touch. moving along. It we're is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Let's yeah. hope so. I'm looking forward to coming down for a visit. And I I'll do, do that. Yep. I plan to get down there before um before the summer really hits and come and do have a couple of surfs and 
hang out it's a big favorite of mine for sure cool and come on we can talk about trend we style. will for sure yeah. man absolutely <laughs> absolutely hey thank you so much for making time really appreciate it my pleasure cheers we'll talk soon richard's magic arrows is brought to you by the architect marketing institute clean simple sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? and see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it, because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.